tuned into this episode of Pacey Performance Bite Size. So this clip comes from Vernon Griffith in episode number 376 where we have a little chat around exploring movement and having a movement-based philosophy when it comes to anything we do in the weight room. So it's a fascinating chat for anyone that's seen his Instagram will be super excited for this clip. But just before I do dive into this episode with Vernon, I want to say a big thanks to Rock Daisy for sponsoring this episode today. So if you're looking for a free solution to be able to collect, analyze, visualize, and present data to coaches, check out AMS Lite from Rock Daisy at rockdaisy.com. When you look at your social media, particularly your Instagram, one thing that comes across to me is just the exploration being a big part of of what you communicate in terms of the, the, the post that you put out, whether it be the description or the videos, how big a part is that for you? Does, does exploration, movement exploration come across not only in what you do, but how you coach and how you encourage others to use the weight room? I mean, the word, the exploring thing was a joke. It was all a joke with my guys. And honestly, the word exploring should all, it, the better word that I should use is collaboration because most of the stuff that I share on social media with me doing it, it's what I did on the floor with my guys. And it's like, Hey, do you feel this? Where do you feel this? Oh, that's a great movement. And then it becomes, Oh, that that's so cool. It's a mobility, man. I don't care what the word is. I don't care what the exercise, I don't care what we call it, but it's collaboration with my guys on the floor in the moment. And then I go online and record a video and share it later, but it's collaboration between the client and myself. And honestly, it came at, uh, it, I, we, I needed it. I was at a point, I was running a program with uh, uh, military special operators and none of them have one injury. For one injury, there's a textbook answer. There's, oh, you know, you have an ACL issue, rehab, rotator cuff, blah, blah, blah. There's a step process that we can do. But when you have two injuries, now there's no more rules. Now, now there is no rules. Where do I start? Did one start the other? Are they completely separate? Whatever it is. So now this exploring of movements is just about, hey, what can your body do? So now instead of looking at that, that small isolated spot, let's look at a global movement and see how things are affected. Because we do know that, you know, an issue, you know, a pinpoint part of the body can call, cause a cascading ripple effect out somewhere else. You know, a problem in your hip can cause a problem in your shoulder, a problem in your hip, problem in your knee. All that stuff is associated. So when I look at movements and we explore movements, that's where, that's where, I, that's where most of that thought is coming from. It's what can my guys do instead of saying, you know, what can they not do? Instead of looking what they're contraindicated of what they can't do, which is which is completely normal to have that thought, it's hey, what can we do? How can we explore around this? What can we get out of movements? And not to get on a rant, but I had a guy one time, um, XEOD guy, Marine, and he had both of his arms blow off, blown off, and half of his face. And I'll never forget, he was one of the first. Uh, it's definitely amputees that I worked with, and he said he wanted to deadlift. And I remember I looked at him and I chuckled and I was like, what? You want a deadlift? Because I was in the mind frame of why, why would you do that? Why would you want to do that? Why do you need to do that? In the sports world, you'd be like, well, that's so, that's so stupid. That's so risky. Why would I do that? And then I never put myself behind his eyeballs. Why not? Like, why not? Like, why would he not want to do something that he used, that he was used to be, had the capability of doing? 
And that's where that exploration came from. Multiple injuries. Why not? Why can't guys do things? And it's back to confidence, instilling confidence in movement that they may have been taken from them. Like, I can't do that movement anymore because I'm hurt, or I can't do this anymore because I'm injured, or I can't do bicep curls because I don't have a forearm. We hooked a band, we hooked bands and cables up to his nub and we did bicep curls because that's what the dude wanted to do. And it's that's where I think most of those thoughts came from. Just to dive into that a little bit more, when you're dealing with someone, not only with one injury, but two injuries and potentially catastrophic injuries, what's your, what's your thought process to determine what they can and can't do? What's the first place that you would start to try to identify not only, again, what they not what they can't do, but what they can do? Ask questions. Yep. A- ask them where they feel. I think one of the biggest mistakes coaches say is they – tell someone where they should feel something before they allow that athlete or tactical professional, I guess, in my line of work, to tell them where they feel something. Oh, you're supposed to feel this in their hamstring. Well, he doesn't have anything below his knee. His He lost above his knee, complete amputated. So his hamstring is tied in a different spot than yours is. So he's going to feel things in different spaces. So now it's it's asking better questions. Hey, man, try this. It's uh, I saw a great reference one time and it was an optometrist that had those though. I don't even know what the machine is called, but it's like you adjust it. Be like, how does this feel? Do something different. How does this feel? How does this feel? How does this feel? And to me, that's, that's where that comes from. It's what can you do? What feels comfortable? What are you comfortable doing? And then how can we make it more efficient possibly? And how can we add output to it? Do you think working with them, that kind of population who have them type of catastrophic injuries helps you with the able-bodied, if that's the right term to use? Do you think it helps you with that because it reframes how you think about things? Absolutely. Absolutely. When you got, when you have guys that are doing with, uh, and I'm not exaggerating, that have double bilateral amputations on their legs and we're doing box jumps off their nubs onto crash pads because they want to be able to do box jumps because their best friends are in the CrossFit games. Like it, it totally reframes, reframes how you look at things because it's truly like we just talked about, I guess, five, 10 minutes ago is what matters. What is the, what is really the only thing that matters? And it's getting that person back to a place where they feel confident in their movement, where they're happy, where they can live, uh, uh, you know, as, as much of a successful life as they can, if they, that they can live knowing that that ceiling kind of got brought down on them a little bit with their current state. Would that, would how you think about things change if you were, that's cool. Easy. <laughs> would, would how you think about things change if you were in a collegiate setting or a pro setting? of how you create that environment less about well, it's more about winning more about Saturday getting a result. Would that change how you frame things? Uh, it may have, um, to be honest, I, I, I would never get on my high horse and act like that doesn't matter because job security and you having a family and you being worried about ends meet that all comes into play. And it's very easy for me to say, Oh, that doesn't matter. And person first and this and that, because I get it. 
results matter, especially in sports where you have to win. And that's the only thing that matters. I've seen that side. I work with professional athletes as well. And it's just, I think me being exposed to that such early on in my coaching career biased my thoughts to movement and how we train things versus if I saw it the other way first, you know, maybe I wouldn't be having this thought process. You know, we're, we're a culmination of our experiences and my experiences have been very productive, I guess, to where I'm at today. Mm -hmm. I'd like to get into the family stuff, but we'll leave that for a little bit longer. But again, just looking at your social media, maybe something that you're well known for, and this came up in the book with David Joyce and, and Dan, um, High Performance Training for Sports, pretty something that you've become known for is the mobility, flexibility side of things. Again, probably... <laughs> rightly or wrongly from what you you guys also you share from a collaboration point of view as you've said uh, online how have you and i'm pre-answering the question based on what we've just spoken about for the last 15 minutes but how have you become known for that and has that been purposeful has that been um something that has kind of just just happened i mean it's my foot in the door like people say um, well, I don't want to be known for something. Being known for something gets your foot in the door. Mm. If I'm the mobility guy, I don't care. Whatever. Sure. Call me the mobility guy. Call me the stretching guy. Call me as my daughter's softball team, the guy that rolls around on the ground with no shoes on. I don't care because if that starts the conversation, I can take the conversation where I want to. And that's to me, for whatever reason, mobility kind of took off. People look to me from it. And I like to share that information. I think movement, it's kind of a cliche thing to say movement is medicine. But one of my good friends, Mike Hill, he says that his athletes take their daily vitamin, their daily movement vitamin, like just move daily and how these small movements can lead to such big things, big outcomes. And as a coach, it's like, oh, I, I got to get them working out. I got to get them lifting. I got to get them squatting, benching. I gotta have You could just start with a walk around the block. You could just start with some moving around on the ground. And now those five-minute bites, that 10-minute bites becomes a 30-minute bite, becomes a whole session, becomes three sessions a week. And now you're influencing life rather than just trying to prove your point that strength and conditioning is the only way when there are many only ways. Um, so it's I, mobility is just, it's fun. I like it. I enjoy it. Uh, I feel like I... I can speak to it a little bit different based on the people that I've worked with and my experiences. So it, it's, it's fun. It's giving me opportunities, but it's a foot in the door. And that's to me, if that's all it ever is, then that's awesome. If you went, if you're working with general pop, do you work with general population? Yep. Yeah. Yep. Okay. Not as much as I used to when I was in college, but still yep. some. If you said mobility and flexibility to them, they probably wouldn't be able to differentiate, differentiate, between the two they probably bundle into one and probably what pops into their mind is static stretching my guess would be how do you differentiate the two if you're communicating that with someone that's not a peer uh so i i look at flexibility is it's just the capable range of motion and that's dependent upon not only the health of the joint but also the health of the tissue surrounding it um and then from there just your psychological standpoint of how you feel around movement you know, if you have some heightened feeling that picking something off the floor is going to give you back pain, then you're going to have less range of motion when you bend down to pick something up just because you're guarding that. So flexibility to me is, I think the textbook definition is a joint ability to move through a range of motion. And then I add on, you know, that's 
because of the health of the joint, the health of the surrounding tissues and their capabilities. Um, and then there's a coordination rhythm standpoint to doing activities. But then to me, the mobility is that fun word because it's not an exercise word at all. It, we totally took this word and threw yoga mats on it. And we were like, mobility. <laughs> Like mobility is the ability to move between social classes. Mobility is the ability for an allied army to outflank another on the battlefield. And then the exercise world was like, oh my God, ability translates to the ability to move in Latin. Perfect. Let's make it exercise. Let's exercise this thing. Let's exercise it. And it's to me, that's where this word that I'm trying to influence thought for, I guess, if that's, if that's what I'm doing, it's the, you know, the ability to move, be moved or adapt and that adaption that takes place is not only from a perceived stimulus, but an unperceived, like jumping up for a rebound, coming down, landing halfway on someone's foot or running down first base and stepping halfway on, a, on first base on the bag. You know, those those reactionary uh, moments. And to me, that's what mobility is, the ability for the body to organize um, to, towards events to have the best possible outcome. Thanks for tuning in to this episode of Pacey Performance Bite Size. So this clip came from episode number 376 with Vernon Griffith, and you can find the full episode on iTunes, Spotify, YouTube, or wherever you get your podcasts. Big thanks to Rock Daisy for sponsoring this episode today, and I'll chat to you next time.